Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we're going to take a look at when your life changes in an instant. Except we're going to take a look at it from the when your life changes in an instant for bad angle. (laughs) Yes. And we're talking about maybe... For worse, as opposed to for better. Yes, for worse versus for better. And perhaps next week we will tackle the for better. But right now, the for worse (laughs) is is top of mind, uh, given both of our recent lives. So... (laughs) (laughs) Should I start or do you want to start? You go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. Because mine is really, truly in an instant. It was not a slow build. It was like, you're going about life and now you're doing something different. So I made the very grave mistake, Tiffany, of deciding one restless night that I was going to go for a walk. And we had a break in the weather. It had been raining and Derek had already gone to bed. He was exhausted But it wasn't that late. I feel like it was maybe nine, you know, at the latest. So it was dark outside and I was feeling restless. I hadn't gotten any exercise that day. And I don't know if you get the kind of itchy legs sometimes when you've been sitting around too much, but I was definitely feeling like that. And I'm like, well, it's not raining right now. I'm going to go for a nice evening stroll. And I went out my door and uh, the air was kind of balmy and nice. And I'm like, yeah, this was a great decision. And I'm walking briskly up the block, looking around, looking at the lights, looking at people's shiny, happy windows, you know, because one of the things I love about walking at night, which people think is a little creepy maybe, is a lot of people leave their curtains open. And I love seeing how people decorate their homes. And if you walk at night, then you get a chance to like, you know, very briefly, because it's not like you're slowing down, you're just walking along, but you get these glimpses of how people live, which I always kind of enjoy. Anyway, so I'm just looking around, looking around, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I'm falling, and I'm hitting the ground with my hand, and my index finger bends all the way back, Ouch. and and I don't even know what happened to the rest of the four fingers, but I know something happened because they've been so sore, and I did hear a, a cracking sound, <sighs> and... Okay. And it's one of those falls that's so out of the blue where you're like, I don't even know what happened. Obviously, I went back in the daylight and it was just that typical place in the sidewalk where a tree root has, you know, made the sidewalk on one side rise up. And so there's a ledge there and and I must have just hit my toe against the ledge. And because I wasn't looking down, you know, I just hit the ground going however, however quickly. So... But you also had the moment, that brief moment where you're like, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. I mean, maybe that Uh was, (laughs) maybe that was, it's just, it's shocking. I get up off the ground and I'm like, okay, my hand is bleeding in four different places. Left hand or right? My left hand, thankfully. And I'm right-handed. And it was one of those things where I, you know, you actually hit the ground. You're like, ow, you know, I'm sure so much. I get up, my hand's bleeding in four places, but you know, I still got those restless legs. So, you know, I'm just like, well, you know, I'm going to just keep going. And so I cradled my bleeding hand to my chest and I took a 20 minute walk. Oh my gosh, you didn't even go home. No. (laughs) And then I went home and Derek is already asleep, you know, and I'm thinking, well, maybe this is something that it's sore because I hit the ground so hard, but tomorrow it'll be, it'll be feeling back to normal. Went, put some ice on it, went to bed, woke up in the morning and it was all puffy, (laughs) like a big puffy mitt. 
<laughs> and I called, uh, it was a weekend, so you can't just go see your doctor. So I called the after hours people and the, the woman called me back. You have to leave a message. And then they call you back and she asked me to describe the fall. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to go to the ER for that. And I'm like, really? Uh, Am I? Do I really have to go to the ER for that? And she said, well, that's a pretty fairly typical fall. And, and there's certain ways that it can break when that happens that could be bad and somebody needs to immobilize it. So the long story short, because I don't want to go through the pain and agony of what it is to sit in the ER for an entire morning, but I, jeez. Oh, but by the time I'm they, so sorry, Katie. <laughs> by the time they do all the X-rays, the news is good. Basically, oh. the news is good. What has happened is I have chipped the bone on the knuckle of my middle finger. That doesn't sound good, Katie. And I have strained the ligament in my pointer finger because that's the one that bent all the way back. Otherwise, though, he says, we got to just put a splint on this, wear this around until you can go see this hand specialist guy who will tell you, like, what to do next. And uh, and he goes, but looking at the way that this is broken, he's like, I think that this is going to heal really fast. It's not going to be like you're laid up for months. This is going to be like, you know, in a week, you'll feel better. A week after that, you'll feel better. It's going to accelerate quickly. So I, <laughs> I go see the hand specialist man. And this man you know, kind of told me what I already knew because it's like four days later, it's already starting to feel better, you know, and he just takes the splint off and he says, okay, you just need to start making sure that this thing can still move. So he's like, stop immobilizing it, start moving it as little or as much as you can, tie it occasionally to a buddy. And then he says, after a month, we'll come in, come in we'll x-ray it again, and we'll see how it's going. And I'm like, oh, come on. I don't need to come in a month from now and have you x-ray this again. Yeah, you should. No, he, I asked him because I had already asked him, so is this knuckle where there's the, like a little chip you can see in the x-ray, there's a little chip missing? You're like, is this knuckle going to look different? Like, is it going to go back to not looking like there's a chip missing? And he's like, no, it's probably always going to look like that. So, I mean, you're not going to be able to tell anything. And I but said, where does I said the chip go? I don't know. <laughs> Is it like just rattling around in there? Like a little piece of bone? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I didn't see it. Maybe it's still attached and it just has a crack in it. I don't really know. But I told this man, I said, but if it's feeling kind of normal in a month, I don't have to actually come see you, do I? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, stop. He said no. Yeah. I'm like, don't rob me blind. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> right, right. True. Because there you have to pay for everything. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. If x-raying it is not going to look any different. Even if it's better or not better, then why is it? What is the point? You know, I'll just keep icing it and being ginger with it. Right. But as you can imagine, when you take out one of your hands, even for a brief Mm. period of time, it's life for the worse in an instant. Because all of a sudden, all of the things that I had planned that I had to get done, all of which involve my hands in some way this is the interesting thing you don't really realize how much you depend on your hands until how much your hands can do stuff changes and oh yeah i mean i think as you get older you realize that because i've got like some arthritis in the family anyway and all of a sudden i'm like can i not open jars anymore like how did this (laughs) but but when you lose total capacity in some way probably of anything all of a sudden i'm just like i i just felt like I look at everything I want to get done and I'm and now none of it is possible. I can type, none. but I can type with one hand. 
which is, have you ever tried to type with one hand? It's very slow. I have. It's extremely (laughs) difficult. It's extremely difficult. Actually, it's like if I'm drinking tea and I'm trying to like write an email with one hand while I'm drinking a cup of tea. (laughs) But uh, yeah, this is worse. (laughs) And audio editing requires both hands. Uh Uh-huh. Right. I mean, you could do it with one hand, but it's going to go way slower. And over time, I will say it's gotten better and it's gotten better really fast. But at the stage I'm at right now, I can type for a little while and then it just gets really tired. And then I have to just sit there and ice it. It's a little bit depressing. There's something about when you have all these plans of like, okay, I got to get all this done. I want to do this. I'm going to work on that. I've got this deadline. I can't wait to write this part of the book. And now you're just like, well, I guess I'll just sit here and ice my hand for a half an hour. Well, okay. I'm going to, you know, I'm an eternal optimist. So I'm going to give you a a few suggestions of ways you might be able to get around this. Number one, if it comes to your particular, your personal writing, your creative writing, your right hand still works. That's So you could write by hand, you know, you could could write longhand. And I've heard, and I don't do it very much myself. I mean, I I write longhand in my journal every day, but I don't usually write longhand when it comes to my fiction writing. But I have heard that a lot of people draft that way. And they have incredible success doing it because there is something about writing longhand that just sort of frees your creative juices. So, you know, you could try it. Yeah. It'd be a nice excuse to try that. Yeah. I mean, I do agree with that. I like writing people letters by hand because it seems the closest to having a conversation with somebody in person, you know, something Mm -hmm. about like if I'm typing an email, it's a little different, you know, it's a little bit removed if it's a piece of paper on a on a desk, there's something like, I will feel like I'm sitting down and writing Tiffany right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more personal. And there's, yeah, there's, when you receive that letter, the words that you're looking at were actually written by the hand of the person who wrote to you, which is much more personal than a, a typewritten email yes. uh, or even a typewritten letter printed out. Um, another thing you could do if you know, you have a lot of emails to write is you could try doing voice dictation, which has gotten very very good. It's not like it used to be back in the day. Voice dictation really works. I've done that quite a bit on text messages because, you know, even yes, because both of my thumbs still work, I can text fairly well, but it's still, it's more just this, you know, things change for the worse and all of a sudden you have to learn to adapt and you have to learn yes. to slow down and you have to learn to be like, okay, that was the plan, but that is no longer the plan. And then I'm also trying mm-hmm. to be grateful for the little things like it wasn't my right hand yeah thankfully I tripped with my left foot and fell onto my left hand you could be a concert pianist who had like your your big debut tomorrow (laughs) night you know (laughs) talk about changing your life in a second for the worse like your career could you know technically be over yeah yeah that's a very fine point yeah yeah so I've been trying to think that and also just be lucky that I live with another person who can Mm -hmm. help me out because like in the first early days, I could not do anything with my left hand. And so, I mean, I know that there are some people who live their whole lives with just one hand. And mm-hmm. So I'm adapting to this new circumstance, which is, I'm sure if it was a permanent situation, I would figure it out. But in this yeah. short term, I was like, hey, Derek, uh, how do you feel about helping me wash my hair this morning? And, <laughs> and he's like, I guess I could do that. So we did all sorts of kind of funny things. He helped me wash my hair. He, you know, <laughs> he, you know, I, I 
usually blow dry my hair. Can't do that anymore. I know. I had curly hair for a while. I have curly hair if I don't <laughs> blow dry it. Lots of experimentation, lots of new living. So it had its kind of fun moments. But still, I will say that in certain moments, it's been very frustrating. Particularly, I was on a role, uh, a writing role the other day, and I just had to stop because I just couldn't every every bone in my body hurt it was like the pain in my hand was radiating up to my shoulders and I was getting all tense and my arms were tightening Ah. up and my back was starting to hurt and you're just thinking I would go on but I cannot go on you know this is this is it for today so anyway so for you (laughs) sorry I went on and on about that so long no no I mean it's quite all right no mine is a little bit even more unpleasant to talk about anyway not necessarily more unpleasant to live but definitely more unpleasant to talk about yeah so you can keep it to a minimum (laughs) the details i'll I'll keep the yes no i mean it's (laughs) it's nothing that i mean we've it's nothing that any parent hasn't gone through a thousand times my son is just just happens to be sick today so he's been sick all day and no you know what it's i have this thing now that i started at the beginning of the year you could call it new year's resolutions you could call it new habits but I've been I've been really trying to install some very specific habits into my daily life. Okay. And it's been going really, really well. You know, it's been over two months now. And so a lot of these things have become very second nature. Is that the expression? Second nature? Mm-hmm. You know, which is what you want, which is the ideal. That's what you try to do. That's why you want to have good habits is because then you don't have to try anymore. And you're like, oh. I'm out on my run and I didn't even notice you know? Yeah, yeah that totally. I run. I do not run. I'm anti-run, but other things, other good healthy habits. So I have all these habits that I try to do every single day and I don't get to 100% every day, but I do my best to get there. And I feel great when I manage to do most of these things. And it, I kind of keep track. I keep track of how many of these habits I do per day. And I see what the percentage is of them. Sometimes I'm hundred percent. Sometimes I'm 97%, 93%, 85% on a bad day. Today, I'm like 20%. I got 20% <laughs> of my habits done today. It's just like, whoa, talk about throwing a wrench in your day. Yeah. And I mean, I am very fortunate that I work from home. And I'm also very fortunate that in Italy, if your child is sick, you can take the day off for most companies. And so Claudio also took the day off. And so we were both at home and he didn't have to think about doing any work. I did a little tiny bit of work, not very much. I can't even imagine what people do in America when their kids are sick. I don't know. What do you do? Because you only have a certain number of sick days. So it's a serious question. What do you do when your kids are sick? You know, if both parents work, I guess you take a, a vacation day. Um, but I mean, eventually you run out of those and little kids are sick a lot. So I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, uh, we're so we're very fortunate for that. Nevertheless, man, it does it throw a wrench in your day in more ways than one. So uh, so that's what I'm dealing with. Nothing as dramatic as, uh, as chipping bones though, of course. <laughs> um, but I have broken my wrist. Um, mm. I actually broke my arm, but I was a child. So the only thing I remember is trying to write with my left hand because I did break my right arm. But beyond that, I did break my wrist when I was in my twenties. And at that time I was just out of college and I was working as a temp and I broke my wrist by, because I was rollerblading it was similar kind of thing to you where I was like, oh, come on. It can't be that bad. It just hurts because I fell on it. Of course it hurts, you know? 
And then that night I've got it propped up on a pillow and I'm like, this just doesn't feel good. And my boyfriend's like, oh, come on. It's fine. He's like shaking my arm. I'm like, don't, don't do that. That that actually hurts. (laughs) Like, um, I think, I think actually it might not be fine. And I went to the ER the next day because I was right out of college. I don't think I had health insurance at the time where I had like the cheapest the mm. absolute cheapest health insurance you can possibly get. I was at the hospital for hours and hours and hours. And then I got x-rayed and I'll never forget the x-ray technician. It's like, well, I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you anything. And I'm like, okay, so you legally can't tell me anything, but like, you can give me an idea, right? You can tell me what to expect, right? Because he said, they're going to call you and they're going to tell you whether your bone is broken and you have to come in and get it casted. And he said, well, a broken bone, it really hurts, doesn't it? And I was like, yeah. And he kind of like shrugged. This led me to believe that my arm, my wrist was was fine. Because I was like, okay, he's telling me that it's not broken. And so I kept going about my life and it was in major, major pain. And I actually went to the pharmacy and bought a splint and started wearing this around because I was like, this thing hurts so much. Every time I move my arm, it hurts. Mm-hmm. And finally, like a day and a half later, the hospital called me. It had been 72 hours since the accident. Wow. And they're like, okay, come in and get a cast. And I'm like, well, okay, thank you for telling me <laughs> yeah. late. And, um, and so I honestly think that not getting it casted right away was what made my recovery so long. And I was mm. actually in a cast for three months. Mm. And the guy who casted me was clearly like a medical student or something. Mm-hmm. And he was so careless that he casted me all the way up to the tips of my fingers, oh, which was not necessary. It was my wrist that was broken. Like the max he should have had to do was like the middle of my palm, but he cast me up to my fingertips. And so when I went in a week and a half later for a checkup, the guy who saw me was like, who put this cast on like this? This was terrible. And he takes the saw and he saws it off to the middle of my hand. But then what happened was because on the inside of a cast, I don't know if you've ever had a cast, but on the inside is always a piece of cotton, sort of like Jersey cotton. And so there's this piece of Jersey cotton hanging off because obviously the cotton went all the way up to my fingertips, but now the cast has been cut down to the middle of my palm. And he just folds it over and takes medical tape and just wraps it around. Uh (laughs) And I've got this piece of Jersey cotton hanging down, taped onto my casted hand. And let me tell you, Katie, in about two days, that thing stunk so bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine how that must have smelled? Yeah. It was it was awful. Because, I mean, casts smell awful in the best of times. But I've got this piece of cloth hanging off my hand. Every time I have to do anything with my hands, take a shower, wash my hands, cook, it's getting dirty, it's getting wet. Finally, I went out and I bought an arm warmer to wear over it because I was temping at the time, right? Uh-huh. So I'm going into offices where people don't know me. I do not want this disgusting <laughs> like, black piece of cloth because of course <laughs> it's turned black you know, with, with time, with the grime. Gross. Oh my God, it was disgusting. I did get recasted a few weeks later. So yeah, it was awful. I do feel for you. And I remember not being able to type at that time, which as a secretarial temp is not ideal yeah yeah i mean i think the time when things change for the worse are often that kind of thing like an accident you know where all of a sudden you're feeling fine and then something's broken or your car is gone or or, or whatever (laughs) those sort of things completely unexpected things and it's funny because before i i kid you not 
a day before, maybe even the same day before I went and took that walk, I had that thought of how things can change in an instant and uh, how grateful I was that, you know, things were sort of the status quo to a certain degree. And then the very next thing that happens, is that all well, different, maybe, but maybe it's just, maybe these are things the universe sends you to be like, Hey, I, I don't get too comfortable. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Don't think you're in charge because you are not. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, your report about your hand reminds me of a time when I, in my 20s, when I also didn't have insurance and I, I tore the ligament in my ankle on a trampoline, which Ouch. made the loudest, loudest pow sound that I've oh. ever heard and not a sound that you want to hear when it's coming from your own body. No. But I also had no insurance and I, I did get to some guy, I don't even know if it was like a friend of somebody my father knew or something, agreed to look at it for free in some medical clinic but like it was sort of like the treatment ends there you know yeah i'm doing this as a favor you've obviously torn your ligament here don't stand on this and here's a brace that you can put on it i didn't have crutches i didn't have anything and so i basically ended up crawling around my house for or hopping you know some oh friends God. would do errands for me I would hop places. I did a lot of sitting around and entertaining at home. None of your friends thought to like pick you up a pair of crutches. You know, it's interesting. And you think back, you're like, why didn't we? But no, no, never thought to try to find anything. You know, never got any of those wheelie walkers or anything like that. The uh, ankle did not heal correctly by any means. And it's one of those things when you're in your 20s, you think, oh, well, what's it matter? You know, like as long as it eventually heals, it'll be great. That ankle still today will just at random just go out. I'll just be walking along and it will be like, bleh. <laughs> you're like, stumble, stumble, stumble. Maybe and, that's what happened when you, when you No, I know that. It, but yeah, I mean, it is it is those funny things where you're like, well, you know, I can probably handle this myself. And, um, you know, oh, well, not so much. I mean, yeah, do you have if any? If you ever break your femur, definitely go in yeah no kidding because that you definitely can't handle on yourself right if the bone is poking through the skin yeah go see somebody <laughs> do you have any examples of that that are not like accident related where things turned for the worse in an instant i had one that that kind of almost did mm -hmm. um and then it ended up being okay okay it's about work but, uh -huh. it is, but it is personal. But I'm going to I'm going to tell the story anyway. So I used to I still technically am employed by a magazine um, mm -hmm. that I write for an English language magazine here in Rome. Let's just say that I don't particularly enjoy the office life yeah. of that of that place. Um, the work is fine. You know, I don't mind the work, but I've always disliked the office situation there. Yes. During the pandemic, I was able to work from home and part time from them. I loved that. <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. And I got very used to it. And I kind of just complacently felt like that was going to last forever. And in Italy, during the pandemic, many, many companies, if they were vastly affected by it, the government paid for the employees to basically not work or to work very, very short hours. And then the government paid like 75% of your salary or something like that. So that was what, that was what was going on. And it was great. And it was very comfortable. And I was working on all my other projects and, right. uh, you know, doing a lot of other stuff. And I got an email uh, about a year ago, actually saying, okay, the government funding is, is ending and we'll see you in the office a week from Monday. It was basically that. And I was just like, ah! 
it was like the record player like you know there's my bella vita like dolce vita music in the background and all of a sudden screech <laughs> oh my god the life that i've been living for the past two years is over and oh boy that that felt like oh my gosh my life has just changed completely for the worse i do not want to be in that office i do not want to be commuting 40 minutes each way Mm -hmm. I do not want to be spending way less time with my child, having to stress out about parking and being on time and all of the things. I mean, there are people who love going into the office and there are people who hate working from home. Not me. I I love working from home. <laughs> I, I am a I am a homebody. I'm a not a loner, but I love working in solitude. Well, I'm, and to be fair, as a person who has seen your office, <laughs> it was a pretty depressing room. Yeah. It was not an atmosphere where you walked in and felt inspired. It was a oh god, it no. was like an it atmosphere. was a beautiful view. Yeah, beautiful, it did have a beautiful view. view. Beautiful view, but that's all it had. It, it felt mm -hmm. very dark. I feel it felt very crowded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And anyway. well, it was full. It was full of stuff. My bosses are. I don't want to say hoarders. That's a strong term, but they never threw anything semi-valuable away so like if we had one of those huge office printers and you know how big those big office printers are yeah if one of them stopped working they would never get rid of it they would just put it somewhere and so there were probably five printers in the room <laughs> where i worked and it was a large room but it was like the size of a large living room because it was an apartment building yeah that had been converted into an office building i worked in the living room with two or three other people. So there were big, four big desks all facing each other with no cubicles, right? So no privacy. Anybody walking by can totally look over your shoulder and see what you're doing. So there were these printers everywhere. There were old computers, like original iMac computers, like the big bubble ones. Yes. Keyboard mice. Do you say mice or mouses? I don't know. <laughs> from like from the 90s or old keyboards that like don't work anymore. Mm. There was all of this stuff. I used to say we should open one of those retro <laughs> antique shops. Yeah, because technology. This stuff, like early technology, some of this stuff is valuable. So like, <laughs> um, And then, it, you know, we had print magazines. So, so there were magazines stacked everywhere 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 just stacks and stacks and stacks of magazines like up to the rafters and anyway i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna go on just in case um i don't think my bosses would ever find this podcast <laughs> but you never know he's like it was a style um, choice how did she not understand that yeah yeah i was no longer used to sitting at a desk for all of those hours yes i still write and i still need to sit to write but Maybe I'll sit at my kitchen table for a while and maybe then I'll go for a walk and then I'll work on the couch and then I'll do some yoga and, you know, yeah, it just was a totally different lifestyle. And Claudio makes fun of me because he's like, you lasted four days and you were losing your mind. <laughs> yeah. And my mother was due to come into town the week after. And so I basically said, listen, my mother's coming into town. There is no way I'm going to be working when she's in town. So I will take vacation days, but I'm not going to be working. The whole time I was like trying, you know, I was talking to you about it a lot, yeah. all, trying to figure out how to how to fix the situation. And it ended up working out. Yeah. Did they end up getting rid of the office entirely? Is that what happened? No, no, no. You'd think, you'd think <laughs> uh, that they would do that because they would save themselves a bundle of money. But I'm not going to, I no longer spend my time wondering what goes on in their minds because I just can't figure it out. So they still have that office and just two or three of them work there now. And um, those of us who are technically employees and not partners, we work from home at reduced hours, which is great. 
And so basically, yes, it basically, it lasted for maybe eight days total for me. Cause I took that vacation in the middle. Mm. Um, but those eight days were torture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting looking back to think I was so used to this yeah. that it didn't phase me. It really didn't phase me. I'm not going to say I enjoyed dragging myself into the office every morning and fighting traffic and searching for parking and and sitting in that crummy office, but I got used to it. You can get used to anything. You know, yeah. that's this kind of scary thing about life. Like it takes a global pandemic to realize, hey... <laughs> This is actually torture. Well, and I remember yeah. at the time that you were not sure like if they were going to continue ordering you into the office if you were going to continue doing that job. You were basically thinking, what oh, else could I, I do? Was quit. Yeah, what else could yeah. I do? How else could I make some money because I can't be here anymore? Yeah, it yes. is interesting. Yeah, and I mean in a way, the global pandemic is things changing for the worse. Um Oh, for sure. For a lot of people. For a lot of people. And and even for all of us, I mean, it like worked out for you in the sense that you discovered a lifestyle that you preferred. But it was a huge adjustment for all of us, of course. I was trying to think if I had a just general life example. The only thing that came to mind, and this is petty, it makes me wonder (laughs) if I blocked some things out because this is um, going all the way back to elementary school. And I was a (laughs) volunteer during fourth grade. And now the other classmate of mine might listen to this podcast. So if you if you're listening, you know, I was a volunteer in the elementary school library. I was mainly there because I like to stamp people out. Like I thought it was really (laughs) fun to check the check them out. I think we forget as we get older how pleasurable stamping things was when we were young, and that there was (laughs) nothing more satisfying then opening that little pad of ink and putting the proper date on the little stamp and stamping it in the book and then letting the kid take the book out. That was why I was there. I was in the stamping them out game. <laughs> of course, that was not all that was required uh, to be there. Mm-hmm. You had to reshelve books, which I did do. Um, I remember See, doing now that's it. what I would have liked. Yeah, reshelving I books. Love, I love putting things in order. It's like, um. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so it was me and this one other classmate of mine, who I shall not name, just in case she's listening, who did this together. And at some point, she must have gotten a little fed up with the fact that I was always jockeying to be the one that was stamping the kids out. Because it's possible, with her being the same age as me, she was also in the stamping the kids out game. Maybe that's also (laughs) why she was there. (laughs) And she complained to the librarian about how I was not helping enough when it came to putting the books away. Now, I I strongly disagree with this assessment, but again, who knows, because my focus was clearly on on checking people out. So she complained that I wasn't being helpful enough, that I never put books away, that I was just not keeping up my responsibilities. And the librarian fired me. (gasps) A fourth grader. She fired you? (laughs) Well, she let me go. Oh, she let me go. She said that I had been complained about by this person I'm not naming and that I was going to have to return to the classroom. And not only was I sad that I had been let go in that instant, but I had to go back to the classroom. So I left to go do my volunteer shift, have to return back to the classroom and sit down. And then 
what was really humiliating, and I, I don't know, it wasn't even humiliating. This is just internal. But when I was in the volunteer in the library, it was during the half hour or something that the teacher read a story to the class, a chapter oh. book. And so when I returned to the class, they were mid chapter book. So I didn't know what was going on. And I remember <laughs> sitting there every, so every day when you're sitting there and being like, I don't understand what's happening in this story. You're like, oh gosh, I'm so angry that I got fired from being at the library. I could be stamping out books right now. And instead I'm sitting here not knowing what's happening in this story that we're reading. So I have two things to say about that. Number one, if I had been your partner, it would have been perfect because I would have done <laughs> yeah. all of the shelving yes. and you could have done all of the stamping you and have, it would have been perfect. That sounds lovely. Now, do you, you wouldn't have wanted to do any of the stamping? No, I'm not saying I wouldn't have wanted to do any of it, but I much prefer shelving. I love putting things in order. Aurelio is collecting, um, this is a typical Italian thing. He's collecting what they call figurine here. They're like little stickers that are of a particular set. And it's, of course, the Italian soccer teams. Okay, uh -huh. so it's this big like magazine type album. And there are over 600 of these little, I mean, it's a it's a racket. Yeah. I don't know how much money we have spent on this, right? <laughs> yeah. Because you buy the pack of five stickers that cost 80 cents, but there's 600 stickers and you got to get them all. And there's, you never know what's inside the pack. So you're going to yes. get what they call doppioni, which are like doubles, yes, right? Yes, yes. I recall so He's this. got a stack of doppioni that's like three inches thick, uh, but he trades like with his friends, right? And sometimes he does, his friends don't do it. So Claudio like asks his colleagues, like, do any of your kids do this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So he's, because he doesn't have enough friends at school who do it. They just don't do this, this collection or whatever. So I got his list going of the ones that he needs and then, and then we'll trade. And Claudio said, uh, my friend needs these ones. These are the ones he needs. And so I'm like, well, we have all these doubles, but they're all out of order. And I was like, I will take care of it. <laughs> so I take what are probably like 300 stickers with the number on the back, right? Because they've got yes, a little yes, peel off thing on the back. I put them all in order. Yeah, I put okay. hundreds of these things in order. <laughs> and as I'm doing it, I'm like, you better thank me, honey, that I'm doing this for you. Secretly inside, I'm like, this is awesome. I love this. <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> That's so good. Well, it's a pity that we didn't go to the same elementary school. We were not even in the same state at the time, so it would have been oh. impossible. Uh, yeah, us. and this, the second thing was that I was going to say was, shame on that librarian. She should have talked to you first, because how did she know that that girl just didn't have it out for you and just didn't like you and made it up. She didn't know. She should have sat down and talked to both of you and come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. You can't go on the word. You, someone complained about you. Yeah. And as a nine-year-old girl complained about you, you know what I mean? <laughs> she could have complained about you because she liked your shoes and she wanted them. I mean, it could have been, could have been anything. Well, here's the faulty thing with memory though. I mean, who knows? I remember it in this way. Maybe she had been giving me a warning and been like, Katie, you need to start <laughs> categorizing the books more and maybe I had tried and failed <laughs> or or know. okay first of all child labor anyone but secondly <laughs> if you are the if you are the labor I mean you cannot expect nine-year-old girls to self-regulate in the way that you think is fair in a pseudo work situation you as a librarian need to say okay Katie from 9 to 9.15, you're doing the stamping. And Jenny, from 9.15 to 9.30, you're doing the stamp. I mean, come on. It's yeah, like, it's so you, true. you can't expect two little girls to work it out for themselves. Sometimes two adults can't work things out. Yeah, it's true. And if we had each had our own stamping time, 
exactly would, there you go everybody would have gotten what they wanted yes <laughs> major major side eye at that library <laughs> uh well i have no recollection of who she was if that makes you feel any better uh <laughs> she's probably dead now <laughs> oh jeez, oh, maybe maybe not <laughs> it does feel like a lifetime ago but you know all right well maybe next week we will gather our examples of when things turned on a dime for the good mm -hmm. and that could be kind of fun too. could be very share fun. those stories i will be happy to receive stories from our listeners about either one for the bad or for the good just send us an email bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com uh, you can also find that at thebittersweetlife.net well that was fun and uh hopefully by the next time i see you tiffany my hand will be all healed all healed completely 100 percent. so strong stronger than it even started but somehow <laughs> it can happen it can happen bones can sometimes heal stronger well let's hope so and until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again bye if you love the show take a moment to leave us a review on apple podcasts we love to read why you listen and your rating might help someone else discover the show Take just a couple of minutes to let the world know what you think of this show. It means the world to us. Thanks.